I'm excited to welcome Gansey back onto the show and then NFT Supply for the first time. I think we talked about some tooling potentially coming online around rare sats, unique sats, exotic sats, and we're starting to see that. Gansey, NFT Supply, welcome to the Ordinal Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So can you guys talk a little bit about what is Satscribe? Right. I, I want to like, that's like the core tooling that has been released that I want to talk about. But then we can, you know, derail into nerdy rare SAT stuff if we want to after that. But I, I want to learn what is Satscribe? Why did you guys decide to build it? Look, we know that OTC deals could only go for so long. We've been doing them for five months and they only make sense for the beginning of, of this of Ordinal. So now we have a premium inscription service for rare exotic vintage sats where, you know, ideally we want you to be able to go and shop for the sat that you want. Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's a project. We want those to be an all in one place for the community to easily be able to get those because as of now, you had to hunt down Rare Sat Society or somebody that's doing the OTC deal, find a dev or run a node yourself. And of course, this supports the Bitcoin network, but not everyone is going to be able to do that, right? This is what this website provides tooling to be able to acquire and inscribe these cool sats. Yeah, exactly. I ended up going down the rabbit hole probably end of January, early February. And as you guys all know, you needed a node to get up and running and inscribing your own sats. At the time, Ordinal's bot was around, but it was down. So unfortunately, that was an option. So I ended up uh, building out some tooling with a buddy of mine. And uh, yeah, we ended up putting together a really slick UI to make it super easy for the masses to now get onboarded into Ordinal's. So we teamed up with GameZ and Rare Sat Society to do just that. We, like I said, built a super sick tool. All of the sats are provided by Rare Sat Society. And what it'll allow you to do is very easily drag and drop any of your, any file type that you'd like up to 400 kilobytes. You can drag and drop it on, put in your Bitcoin ordinal receive address, select what type of field you want to pay, and it goes right to your wallet with just a click of a button. And yeah, it's been super exciting. We've been very hard at work on it. And we hope that it will be the uh, one-stop shop for any project founder, collector, anyone around the sun trying to expose their collectors or their project to rare and exotic sets. And we have rolled out on commons, block nines, Nakamoto's, JPEGs, Silk Roads, block 286s, JPEGs. Uh, I might have already said that, but every sat under the sun aside from rares and mythics right now. Love it. Yeah, so I'm on the site right now, and you guys did give me a demo a few weeks back, and I was just impressed by the simplicity. I think this is the biggest thing Bitcoin gets wrong, at least historically, is we build these like really complex, it's basically developers building tools instead of like product people and designers building tools. And it's fine for developers to build tools for other developers. Like, I'm sure there's people in here who are technical and love using Sparrow and all of the coin control stuff, right? But that's just not going to be the experience that's going to work for most people, right? So I'm just super excited to see, like, teams, first of all, seeing value in coming and building on Bitcoin like this. Like, you guys built, it's just a very intuitive, simple experience. Literally, you go to the site, click a button, you select your sat, you upload, you drag and drop a file, you click pay. It's, like, very simple. So I'm curious. It sounds like, Gansy, you're, like, supplying the sats to this situation, basically, it's like basically a bunch of the stats you guys have been hunting down, making it much easier for people to access those instead of having to like DM the Rare Stat Society account and go back and forth with negotiations and 
sharing, hey, can you inscribe on this? Here's the specs. There's basically a self-serve tool is essentially what this is, which I'm a huge fan of. This is obviously you know, something that was needed. Could you guys talk a little bit about, do you have anything cool that you're working on to add to the site? Anything interesting? You've got a great selection of stats here. Maybe will there be a rare stat option at some point, Gansey? I don't know. How's the rare stat ongoing? That would be pretty epic if someone was willing to fork over that on, on the site, because now most of the rares have been private deals that I know of. But we're going to be adding a lot more set. We have so many more sats to add. And for so the palindromes and sat names, that's more of a shopping experience where we want people to be able to select that particular number or sat name that they want. We've got a marketplace coming. We've got to where you discounts if you've owned like our passes or whatever that you can plug in your wallet and get discounts. But I think the marketplace is probably the biggest thing is that we can open up for other hunters and then people that want to list these different sats that they have and inscribe right there on the site. Like I'm calling it bring your own Satoshi. So you bring your own Satoshi and you're able to inscribe on it, I think is like going to be really big. Yeah, that is really cool. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Like for a palindrome, People actually care. I guess there are people that maybe would care like if the Uncommon's 2009, what year it is. But like that granularity is important in certain different attribute categories, right? Specifically Palindrome. It's obviously one that's very important to people. I'm pumped to see you guys shift this pretty quickly here. And people are up and inscribing. Has anybody like inscribed a whole collection through this yet, NFT Supply? Uh, yeah, so we've actually been seeing a couple of collections start off so far. We only actually, well, we were the first ones uh, to inscribe it ourselves. So as I was building out the entire platform with uh, my buddy Satscribe and the audience over here under our Satscribe account, what better way to test out, you know, the product than by using it for your own collection? So we ended up uh, rolling out pizza artifacts, and that entire collection was inscribed using Satscribe's internal tech, internal at the time. Now it's obviously live, but we did the entire collection on pizza sats which we were pretty excited about. And Pizza Artifact and RSS holders are going to be getting discounts. If you happen to own one of those, you'll be able to, for instance, if you are a project founder, it can get very expensive to inscribe an entire collection on these rare sats, especially when it comes to networking, mining fees, file size fees, and things like that. So trying to uh, give back to our core communities uh, on that front, doing that. Aside from that, Gainsey was mentioning earlier, we are actually rolling out a marketplace tool. So there's two sides with We are going to be rolling out a two-sided marketplace where you can just list your own uninscribed on commons and just rare and exotic sats in general. But then also, one thing that we are rolling out in the shorter term is not just acquiring and inscribing at the same time, but acquiring any of the sats that we offer fully uninscribed as well. So if you just want to collect those and inscribe them later, you can do that. All extremely logical kind of things to build out. Yeah, everything you just said there, I'm a fan of. Does anybody on stage like have any questions specifically around that product before I start picking their brains about nerdy rare stuff questions? No, but I can say as a third-party user, I did play around with it, and I inscribed a piece on a Block 78. Super smooth. Shout out to Gansey and the whole team. Everybody that, that worked on it was super easy to use. And they've since added, since I used it, custom fee option. Nice. Love hearing that. Yeah. So we got a future product roadmap here. So that that's cool. As far as like specifically like Gansey, the stats that you're hunting, what's interesting to you in the like world of rare stats right now, right? I think the idea of the uncommons, the rares, the block nines, the block 78s, Nakamoto's, the pizzas, I think 
we've done a good job of educating people about these. I think people are pretty aware of them. What's on like the bleeding edge of the really nerdy stuff that you're hunting for that nobody's even thinking of yet? That could, by the way, just to be clear, these could be stupid ideas that Gans is about to say. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, think, I think this stuff is interesting personally because you really don't know what is the narrative that's most interesting to collectors. I, I was very surprised. Pizza sats turned out to be like one of the coolest sats just from my personal uh, perspective. I think that's like an awesome meme to be able to hold. So yeah, Gansey, what's what are you searching for right now? I still think the biggest sleepers are the sat names because they're going to be the largest market. And like we have a uh, Pepe sets and we've got BTC bomb. We've got really hilarious. Okay. okay. So each, each Satoshi has a name, right? And it's not, not dot sats address, but if you go to ordinals.com forward slash sat forward slash, and you know, whatever, put Leonidas or whatever it is, you can see when it was mined. And currently for the past 14 years, we've been at 11 characters and which allows for all kinds of words and phrases to be formed. And for instance, I have a voice or it isn't legal. These are actual sat names. And the goal would be that you inscribe related content to the sat name. And there's been a couple of projects that have come to us and seen, oh, wow, this is really cool. And no one's really bit the bait on sat names yet. But I think, imagine having your entire collection because the Rangers are so big. For instance, we have Pepe can't exist because the 2.1 quadrillion permutations go up to NVT. If you were to look at the SAT zero, which is the mythic, it moves backwards from that to the single letter A. So that 11 characters, right? And so there has to be a character in front of the Pepe. So it's like F Pepe and then whatever that range is. Your entire collection could be on Pepe SATs or whatever it is. So I think those are one of the biggest ones. We've had atomic number of elements. Like people wanted the atomic, like the Satoshi number would be the atomic number of elements. We picked up all the holidays from 2009 because, you know, of course, Christmas collections and Halloween, like people are going to want to do that. So I think like the playing field's wide open for collectability because it's numbers and it's words, which is just such a large part of like how we relate to data and, and our personal experience. We're just trying to foresee what those will be and bring them to people. I love that. I've always thought that Fibonacci would be potentially like an interesting one. The thing is, there's just like, I think there's probably like 10 in circulation out there, something like that. That's an interesting one. I've hesitated to add that attribute to word.io. Just because like, I don't want to add stuff that like we're, just no one's ever going to find these things. Yeah, we'll see. I love what your points just around. It is completely wide open for what's going to be valuable with the sad names. Genuinely, I don't know like exactly what people will find value. All I know is that it's an interesting enough of a thing that like market psychology will determine value somewhere with the sad names, I think. I just wanted to say you're totally nailed it on the Fibonacci sequence. There's only like 10 of them. They're actually some of the rarest like if you look at total number, they're rarer than rares, the Fibonacci ones are. And since it's the larger numbers that you're looking for. I think there's lots of like things like that where why not throw that into your like algorithm when sifting, right? Who, who knows? It's totally possible you'll get lucky, right? Nolish got pretty lucky with the block nines, right? Trevor. Yeah, I love this, by the way. And I just want to say, is there any way to independently verify that a sat is rare, you know what I'm saying? From the UI perspective, I think it might be a little bit more challenging if you're the site is selling them directly, but is there a way for a marketplace it makes more sense because then you have essentially a marketplace connecting two people. I'm still surprised we no one has implemented the rare sat trading yet. 
Yeah, so one of the things that we are rolling out, like I was saying earlier, is a two-sided marketplace where you will be able to list your rare and exotic sets and trade those back and forth uninscribed if you'd like or inscribed. Uh, one of the things that we do is that after you inscribe and the confirmation is successful, we do give you a link to ordinals.com and or.io so you can verify the attributes there. Love it. And yeah, we're trying to add the discoverability around some of this stuff as well, like for the sat names. We've added the functionality where you can go search for sat names in the search bar and try to keep up with what all these hunters are. <laughs> try to keep up with what these hunters and DGN collectors are interested in. I get so many requests for the sat attributes and I see like y'all have some interesting sat, I guess we call them like sat attributes on uh, sat scribe that are interesting. So yeah, I, I dig all this stuff. I love you guys are doing interesting things with this tool. Gansy, you're doing really interesting stuff with hunting. And yeah, I'm pumped to see where we're going to be at in the gear. I think it's going to be a really cool spot. Yeah, Saint, welcome to the Ordinal Show. How's it going? It's going great. I just had a follow-up question because I'm very intrigued with sat names as another layer of kind of the rarity structure. So like my question to the group and Gansy specifically is, how do you see yourself designing around sat names? Do you think that's something to be used around parent-child inscriptions where you take a sat name and then build a sub-layer below that? Or do you see it as a one-of-one small supply collection where you're doing 20 different rare sat names that are around a category? Just curious to dive a little bit deeper, especially when you talked about seasonal. I'm just curious, how would that design work in your mind that would be potentially appealing to collectors? And I know we're just spitballing here, but just curious to go one level deeper. I think both are equally applicable because you've got, like with the phrases or what I call word combos, where it's like, I have a voice or whatever. Those are super unique, but there are also big ranges of them, like for Pepe and whatnot. So the entire collections could be on them, but also there's, what are the official Rodimore names? What I call it. So if you go to ordinals.com and you go to the bounties, uh, bounty number four, there is a file called a frequency.tsv file, and that contains all the 11 character words that have been mined so far. And those are official. They're rarer than uncommons. And uh, for instance, like longifolium or checkpoints or admittances, those are truly one of ones and, and different. So I think it just depends on what the person's trying to do their collection for, but I think o- both are going to have a, a big market. Got it. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's very interesting because I'm curious on, because there's this framework of of using the words with numbers in a very interesting function. I am curious also of seeing, can you use rare sat names to become almost the seed words to unlock something else a little bit later? But just playing around with it, I'm curious how it works because the problem that I'm just seeing is that the rare sat hunting for names, it's so hard to buy them in pretty decent aggregate numbers, right? Or try to allocate them correctly. Again, what you guys do with rare sat hunting is a whole different game. So I'm just curious for those who are able to get just a few pieces, how can you turn that into a seed of something else? Like it's pretty powerful. So I appreciate the lens there. You could totally find sats that have words within it. It's not going to be the perfect word. There might be some like weird letters hanging up off the ends of the sat name a little bit. But you could write a like tiny short story or like a message with your collection. If it's like a thousand pieces, you could do a thousand word manifesto or whatever you want to call it. It's interesting. Like the Doge punks are going to do like an on-chain treasure hunt on Ord.io pretty soon here. 
I love these ideas so much. Like it, the fun on like specifically putting the clues on chain is just really fun to me. And the fact that like most people probably won't figure it out, but your most hardcore kind of fans and collectors are going to like really take the time to dig into this stuff. Similar to Danny's lovely inscription that I personally never found, but that I think maybe one person found after three months of looking. I love this stuff. I think it's super fun. So yeah, the sat names are a cool layer that I just have not seen that a whole lot of experimentation. I've talked with Gansey about it, but I just, I don't, I haven't seen many collections actually like doing something with these ideas yet. So lots of the doors wide open in my opinion for a lot of this stuff. Trevor. Yeah. I wanted to, to ask is um, because a lot of these different sat ideas are, well, number one, they're not an ordinal's core. Um, is there a way to decentralize the contribution of ideas or the creation of ideas around what sats could be considered rare sats or, you know, for either for historical perspective from a silly idea perspective, is there any way that we could go from this place where we have eight to 10 of these to hundreds of different ideas for rare sats that people could track and, and speculate on, or if there was a, a marketplace that allowed people to create them? Yes. So what we want to do, and here's a little alpha, we want a bounty program where people can come in and literally tell us what to find and it would automatically add it to our software and we'd be able to extract it when we found it. Whatever that looks like, if it, maybe it's a people, someone's into decimal number. There's so many different fields that we haven't explored yet. And I think, yeah, that's a great idea is to build the tooling to where that's all automated. Self-serve is definitely the way. I feel like we're kind of like gatekeepers a little bit. And it, I think it, it's an interesting idea, Trevor. And I think, Gansy, this is what you guys do already, right? People come to you with weird ideas and then you start searching for stats to meet their requests, right? So it's already what y'all do. Yeah, Saint. Yeah, I'm curious because as you ask this question, I'm someone who's very interested in trying to bridge this concept of rarity to the masses and ordinals rarity is very new. You have attributes. I'm curious on, is it healthier for the market to have a more structured range of what rarity should be perceived as the market develops? Or do you see this kind of just being a wild west? Like it's still in the best interest of creating new sub narratives. Like I'm just curious, is there a point that this hits too much? And what is that kind of information overload barrier that also allows users to onboard, right? And I'm, I'm just curious on how you guys think through that balance. Not that there's a right or wrong answer. I'm more curious on is we're, we're in that adoption curve at that point of the S curve. And it seems like there's probably going to be a need for a very clear surface area if you want to bring more collectors in. What, what does that look like in the order of attributes and how much we should be expanding or how do we direct that focus of letting users know what is a range of rarity? I'm not saying that it needs to be precise from a singular actor. I, I don't think that's ever good. But is there an element where it gets too much? Just curious on how you guys think through that as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we're all figuring it out as we go because, look, we're coming from ETH and there was nothing like this with the special sats. It was just ETH, like, it, and it's completely different. And I think the biggest thing regarding your question is supply, what's circulating and and, and what comes in people's hands and what hunters find because, oh, like block 78s were super special, but then more people started finding them and the market maybe got 
a little more saturated than people wanted. And block nines, block nines were impossible to find for the longest time. And now they're coming into circulation. I think the narrative changes over time as the, as the circulating supply for those be- gets revealed and hunted and whatnot. There has to be some level of curation, Saint and like Trevor, just because... It's, you can't have like a system where somebody can just say, oh, these are block nine, but it's like different block nines than the other one that's called block nine as well. So there has to be some level of <laughs> the open sea search bar is just a shit show, right? You can basically name a collection of anything and then there's scams. So you have to solve that. And by opening it up completely, you end up with a company like OpenSea, right? $13 billion company has not solved their search bar issue yet. So I'm hesitant to say that we just open it up fully. But I do think you can maybe take some notes from what the ENS Vision team did, right, where they're pretty lenient about the different categories of ENS name collecting that they'll show on their site. So they're curating those, but they're still, like, allowing the DGEN collectors to have their, like, absurd categories that are almost certainly going to be worthless. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting balance to strike there. And, yeah, like, Gansey, it's, it's interesting to see. It's a great question, Saint. I think it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough one, to be honest. I, I'm personally very much... Like could be like hyper curating right now. I don't want to put something out there where somebody sees it. And then because the education just hasn't been the best, somebody goes and like inscribes or buys a bunch of something that's just silly. But at the same time, I want to open it up where there could be hundreds of these in the future, as long as like they meet some curatorial level of like quality. Yeah, I was just going to say like, I think that's probably the opportunity here as well, like even for yourself, Leonidas, and a lot of these marketplaces, is that it's figuring out a language that kind of delineates between the two, right? Where there's like a curated category and then there's like an experimental category, right? And again, there's probably a better naming convention for this. But the important thing is whenever you're building a collector market, right, there needs to be at least some surface area of standardization so that new collectors can emerge, right? And I think that's going to be one of the biggest elements that ordinals will need to get right in the next 90 days, in my opinion. The problem that you're having here is that, and I totally, and again, your feedback on what comes in circulation is like a very key factor here, right? Because it changes the meta so quickly. But that's also what's hurting the the collector experience to a certain extent. Because, right, two months ago, Block 78s were cool right? One month ago or two weeks ago, block nines were cool, right? And, you know, now it's coming down to a question of what is, if anything, cool anymore. And I'm not saying that, I think that's brilliant, though, in terms of the market having this almost emergent dynamic gameplay to it. But it's also an element of, is it almost too hard to play catch up at every layer where it almost feels like you got caught holding the bag of the last trend? And I think that's just an area where I'm just also very curious on how to, again, make sure we educate the right people because this BTC ordinal onboarding opportunity, I think, is massive. But the best first experiences that we could consistently deliver where the user and the collector feels aligned to the asset they're getting and there's an expected understanding of its value. And again, value doesn't have to be just economic value, right? But it's just, again, utility value of the the community, the product, the art, whatever it may be. But it just needs to be expected or a little bit more expected than it is. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of surface area. But love the thoughts there as well and appreciate the the, the responses. Appreciate that, Saint. We're very much in a similar position to where Ethereum NFTs were in, I would say, like April of 2021 or something like that. And it's just price discovery. Like, genuinely, nobody really knows exactly where the value is. 
and people can guess, markets can try to form around certain narratives, but it's not 100% obvious that 10K PFPs were going to just totally dominate. Generative art with art blocks is going to dominate. And I think we're going to have our own kind of narratives emerge. I like personally think the idea of the SAT being inscribed on and trading like certain unique SATs is here to stay. It's baked into the protocol itself by Casey. This is what he's a huge fan of. And I just see like organically people resonate with that. Specifically, what categories hold value, what's interesting to people over time as people discover new categories, that is a really hard one to answer. And I think ultimately you just, you have to go through this price discovery stuff. And it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's why we haven't added this attribute in a month. So yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I go with the Rodimore Rarity Index that CB Spears, I see him in here. I think he coined that term. It's been used as an umbrella term, and there's people that have come on Twitter kind of delineating the difference between rare, exotic, and vintage, which we've always tried to educate about. And remember, like what? There's only been like eight rares come to market. So I think there's still, and then the uncommons, there's 30 or 40,000 of those in the wild. Yeah, I still think that's totally applicable to call them that. Hey guys, by the way, I wanted to apologize. The other guy is boarding a plane to France, but I, I built the backend and the platform of Sapscribe. So if you have any questions about that, I'm available to answer any and all of them. I appreciate you coming up here. Yeah, actually, really quick before we go to Eli, could you just talk a little bit about what it was like? You're a Bitcoin developer working in the ordinal space. Like, what is it like working with specifically like ordinal theory? and building this it's actually really funny so i am mostly a lightning protocol engineer i am very familiar with the second layer and before that i've been working and building bitcoin transactions since 2015 so it's funny because now the challenges are completely different and it's uh, not just making sure that you have all the right sig hashes and all that but actually accounting for the correct order of inputs whereas uh, previously the order was usually insignificant unless you were using some something like uh, sig hash single bits xord with a sig hash anyone can pay it's a really interesting challenge and it's cool seeing these really way more complicated transactions than i was previously used to constructing working and doing it and, and everything just working and getting indexed correct it's cool love it yeah appreciate you coming up here yeah eli you've got your hand up do you want to jump in here yeah, what's good, Leonidas? People are thinking, what's hot? What's this week's meta? I think people need to go back to thinking, like what you were saying, Leonidas, like curating what you're doing. What are you buying? Why are you buying it? Are you buying it because everyone's saying to do it or do you truly believe in it? Because it is so young, we're only six months in. What Trevor's doing, I love because the art that he's getting put onto the pizza sets makes sense. But if it's just any old art on a pizza set, it's irrelevant, in my opinion. I think that people need to really... Again, that's the thing. I like, why are you buying it? Is it just because it's on a specific set? If it's on a rare set or an uncommon set, that that's definitely adds to it. But at the same time, I think that if you're going to be even spending that little bit more money, that little bit more Bitcoin on an uncommon set, it, it can't just be anything on that set as well. I, I really want to see... I think that like quality deserves quality. And the same thing with vintage sets. Like they're, they're, There's heaps of them and they're cool. Like they're really cool. And I know like what Sanj is doing, like he's making it meaningful. And I think that the meaningful stuff is what's going to survive. And I think like in a year, we want to reflect back on this and be like, 
I, I didn't just go buying everything. Like what I own, it, it actually is historical. I think we need to get back to that Bitcoin ethos in terms of what's going on. Yeah, I just wanted to make that point because I think the narrative stuff is super strong. And I think any old art on a pizza sat or on a vintage sat, if you want to buy it, go for it. I'm not saying don't, but I just think like people do need to get back to slowing down and thinking about the reasoning that they're buying things and not just because it's the next thing and they're trying to chase a, a little. We, I, I think we just need to get away from that kind of like chasing thing, which I think was what was going on more in NFT land than ordinal land. Yeah, <laughs> Eli, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I think very much agree. Trevor, do you have thoughts there? Yeah, I agree with you, Eli. This is something that Udi was talking about last night but it's like chase a mission don't chase a pump if you chase a pump you're never going to catch it but if you chase a mission the pump will come yeah that's been true in bitcoin since what like 2010 you just gotta wait it out and build during the bitcoin winters we are joined by jameson here so for people who don't know like jameson is the founder of control jameson i would love for you to maybe discuss a little bit like, how do you think about the difference between vintage, exotic, rare, like all of these different terms? Hey, what's up, guys? Firstly, thanks for having me on. I think I really view this whole rare debate in kind of two main camps. And I think I take a very long term view when it comes to thinking about rarity and, and, and just scarcity in general on Bitcoin, which is to say you now have basically two layers with respect to ordinals that you don't have on other chains. You have the artwork, you have the inscription content itself, and then you have the choice of sat. And different people will value those two things differently. Like I think you could inscribe insane artwork on completely common sats and it can go for really high prices, be very valued in the market, and that's great. You then have some projects that are just focused on the rare sats or maybe even there's a market for uninscribed rare sats and that has a place as well. But I think when you combine the two, you can get really interesting artistic narratives. And so then it becomes, what are you combining and what is the true scarcity of the underlying stat? And that's where I see these two camps where you basically have Rodimore rarity, which is what I call it and what I know others do as well, which is obviously the rarity index specifically in the ordinal protocol. And then you have any other type of rare sat. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be the pizza sats. It could be the vintage sats, really any type of sats that people spin up. Some are rare, some are not, but these are just anything that's not Rodimore rarity. And I think when it comes to those types, the supply can really be quite large. And so from a scarcity perspective, there's basically, in my view, almost zero lasting value from that perspective. But from the first thing I said, where it can enhance an artist's message, I think it's still interesting because you can use a unique canvas to spread your message. Imagine doing art to honor Ross from Silk Road and you do it on Silk Road sats. That's interesting, even if there's hundreds of millions of Silk Road sats. Now, I don't think people should pay $1,000 a sat for Silk Road sats, for instance. But when you're talking about uncommons and rare sats, like those are incredibly rare, so rare that it's incomprehensible to the human mind. I honestly believe that. Like our, our brains cannot think in terms of billions and billions, let alone quadrillions, orders of magnitude. And I think there really is value in that. And I think serious collectors view this as convex collector's items that will hold value over time in Bitcoin. Great points there, Jameson. I definitely align with a lot of that. I think there's just like nuance to these markets and people are using rare stats in very different ways. The scarcity versus narrative storytelling aspect are just two completely different things. And I think it gets missed in the conversation. So I appreciate that you write threads, breaking that down. Love it. Yeah, I actually had a 
question for Jameson as, as he thought their design, like great job on just everything you've been doing. The art and the quality is great. You guys are killing it on that front penny as well. And one of the things I think is really exciting is that you give us this framework of we have Rodimer rarity, we have vintage rarity. But what's also really interesting is that you've taken Rodimer rarity to another level with parent-child inscription, right? You have the rare sat at the top that's the parent, and then you have the entire collection on uncommons. I'm curious in your eyes, how do you share that as a storytelling to other collectors? Like, how does that factor into your design of having the rare as a parent? And I'm just curious on what is that collector mindset that you're trying to drive? Because you do have one of the rarest rares of all time, right? Or one of the fewest rares that have been ever found thus far. Just curious on, as a builder and as a designer, how do you think about those rarities combining through a parent-child infrastructure for collector value? Yeah, for sure. There's a couple different ways to look at it, I would say. Firstly, in general, doing the entire collection on truly rare, truly scarce, Rodimore rarity sats, because we're inscribing one of the least rare things in society, which is fiat currency. That's literally getting printed and more and more common as the day goes on. And we are taking it. Penny is putting incredible artwork and then inscribing it on some of the rarest pieces of permissionless digital uh, currency that is Bitcoin. And I think that's really powerful. So that's firstly in terms of like why even do this on Rodimore rarity sats, rare sats, all this, like well, why does it matter besides scarcity? It's because I think it really does serve the message. So that's the first point. The second is with respect to parent-child, I think it serves a couple different functions. And I wrote a thread on this earlier in the morning. But basically, there's different ways to do provenance to assert that these pieces are the official control brand pieces. And D-Gods, for instance, they did all the pieces in a single block. So you can look up that block and you know that's the official collection. Obviously, that's a huge constraint on file size. And so we've looked at that. But with Penny's pieces, we really want to inscribe as big a file size as we could. And so most of these pieces are 50 kilobytes, 60, 70, all the way to hundreds of kilobytes for some of them. And so that wasn't really an option. So we looked at some other options and overall just felt that the parent-child of having the uncommons and the rare originate from the same location at a point in time and then be split afterwards and then subsequently ins inscribed was a really clean way to do provenance. I, I think the analogy that some of you might have seen is making cookies where you have your chocolate chips, you have your cookie dough and so on. You mix it all together. That's this crazy kind of mempool transaction that I posted, this mixing, and then it's subsequently split into different cookies. You can always tell they're chocolate chip. And so basically you can always tell these control pieces came from a rare sat and the number of collections that can, you know, have provenance to a rare sat is going to be finite, which is an interesting narrative. And I think if you look out years in the future, for the long run, you'll see that these parent childs to rares could become like, what is the parent? Is it a rare sat? Is it a full block? What's the choice there? What is the provenance method could become really interesting. So those are just some thoughts that went into it. 